You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. For those of you who joined us last week, we are back with Anna Bauer from Sorted by Anna. She had so many great organizational tips last week that we just couldn't stop chatting. So here is part two. I'm Betsy Helmuth. This is Big Design Small Budget and welcome, Anna. Hi. Thanks for having me yet again. Of course, because as a messy person, I have more questions for you. Great. Things that I wasn't able to ask or forgot or things that I know my listeners will want to know more about because a lot of us are busy moms and I feel like we don't have good strategies for the playroom. So we talked about illiterate children like mine who can't read labels. So maybe we'll do picto labels. But what are some other strategies for the playrooms that just get out of control? Yeah, I think thinking outside the box when you're dealing with a kid's playroom is key because I mean, kids are, are messy. They're not thinking about you know, how they need to color coordinate the books when they put them back. So, you know, something I love doing with clients is getting laundry bins, more decorative laundry bins because they're really deep and you can put all sorts of, you know, toys in there that are odd shape. Um, and then you can you could put something like that in there or you can do all of the dress-up clothes in these bins because they're really deep. Um, and then when the kid's done with the playroom, you can then just put it in the kid's room and now he, the kid has a laundry bin. So I love doing some things like that and also taking advantage of the wall space. So, you know, having shelving or bookcases that not only have some of the toys in there, but maybe also have more of a design element. So maybe it's keepsakes from when they were, you know, kids or anything like that so that it doesn't look like uh, a pre-K classroom, that it has some, you know, some personality and, and some flair that represents not only your child, but your family. So are you talking about like decor being more of the mementos or pictures? What's an example yeah, of something like that? Exactly. Whether it's family photos on on the wall or on the bookshelves or um, little booties from, you know, when the kid was a lot younger, uh, et cetera, I think, kind of, or piggy banks, incorporating some of that with, you know, trains and cars uh, I think makes it feel, especially if you're dealing with a playroom that's just in the living room, mixes both uh, still making it feel adult or intentional, but organized and functional for the child as well. So not just toys, but maybe some decorative shelving that has some of those mementos. Or I love those shadow box frames, those deeper frames that they sell at Michael's or I'm sure a lot of other places where you could put in those little booties or put in their first pacifier or something like that. Uh, as long as the pacifier coordinated with the decor mm -hmm. in the living room, of course. It's a must. <laughs> we have bright green passies and I'm afraid they'd have to stay in the playroom, not in the living room. Uh, yes, well, that's good. I think it's – and it's also being realistic as the as the child grows, so will the type of toys that they want to play with. I think that the, the space should almost be – modular um, because Christmas comes or holidays, birthdays, and they just get an influx of, of new toys and you're just like, we're at capacity. So having a space, a toy room, a play area, a nook that's a bit modular that can kind of uh, expand or not expand when those times is, you know, influx of toys come in. What do you mean by modular? Like, what do you mean expand or? Um, whether it's bookshelves that have multiple shelving 
uh, closets that have uh, that has shelving that can be moved, bins of various sizes. So maybe certain bins don't get used and they can just fit inside each other and be tucked away. Uh, things like that. So if you had an influx of toys come in or you're they're really into to- trains uh, and blocks, that maybe you add another shelf in that book on the bookshelf to accommodate that. I see. So furniture pieces that can adapt as the toys change. Yes. So removing a shelf or adding a shelf mm-hmm. or bringing out the larger bin and putting the Legos in the tiny bin. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. okay, that's interesting. You know what I find too, which is one of my big things for a playroom is I love open and closed storage. Mm-hmm. If it's all open, the kids see everything. So if it's all that open shelving with the clear bins or the laundry bins, they see everything and they want to play with the dress-up clothes for five minutes and then they want to play with the trains for five minutes. Is it just my kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they want to move on to the markers. So I have a whole section of the playroom that has doors. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And those are those things that they want to play with intentionally, like a board game or like a puzzle or something like all the trucks are behind one door. So they're not thinking of it while they're playing with something else. But then I can say, hey, guys, let's play a game and open that door. And I don't have to see everything at the same time, which can be so chaotic when you walk into a playroom or even a play area in a living room to see everything is overwhelming. The colors are bright. It's just too much visual stimulation. So I love units that have some doors and some open shelving. And certainly that open shelving that's that's modifiable is a huge help. Um, I even keep the extra shelves on top of the current shelves. I have the IKEA Besta unit, which is the best. Mm-hmm. And I've moved it from place to place and changed where I put the doors and got new doors and all sorts of stuff. I'm constantly modifying it. But uh, it really works for me in terms of showing some things and concealing other things. Mm-hmm. And personally, I have this burning question that I need to ask okay. an expert. So in my kitchen, just mm-hmm. segueing, okay. I have these utensil drawers that are a hot mess. Everything else is label makered and everything else stays really appropriate, Right. The potholders go where the potholders say. But these utensil drawers that have everything from the potato masher to the spatulas to the wine openers, it's just crazy. So I have two of them and it's just crazy town. Like I don't know if the tongs are in number one or number two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the masher is in number one or number two. How do I corral the utensils? Um, well, I think a few things. If you're opposed, you, you could go the route of getting a holder and just putting certain things that you would use often on the counter if you don't already have that. I got that. Okay. And it's still a mess. I have a pot and two drawers. I think well, one thing is certainly go through it and figure out if there's anything that you actually don't need. So do you really need the mashed potato masher or could you just use a hand mixer for when you're wanting to make mashed potatoes? Um, do you have like three ice cream scoops? Which one's the best one? Toss the other two. Uh, and then I think that's when solutions come in handy. So you can get, again, you could use drawer dividers for something like that in the kitchen. So one side is maybe all the savory utensils and the other one is sweet utensils. Um, or, you know, instead of using a drawer divider, you get a different type of utensil holder tray that has compartments where you can put things. Um, I'm always saying likes with likes, a spatula and a whisk, I would use those together, etc. 
um, that would be kind of how I would comb through that dilemma. I just had like an aha moment as you were speaking. Okay. When you said like with like, because I was like, well, the savory and sweet thing, I don't know if I could work for me because I don't have that much sweet. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, but I was thinking big and little. Yeah. So maybe things that are under the size of my hand would go in one drawer and things that are over the size of my hand would go in the other drawer. Mm -hmm. Because I could do big and little. My husband could do big and little. My kids could freaking do big and little. Yeah. Because I have a lot of those like corn stickers. Mm-hmm. And then I have a lot of, you know, well, do I have a lot of little? Well, I'm going to have to go and evaluate. Um, I might have to do bigger than a foot. Uh, I don't know because I have like those nutcrackers. Maybe I don't even need a nutcracker. Oh, God. Um, yeah, maybe it's things that you use one time for a party or, you know, a few times, but there's no need for it anymore. So maybe that could just be stored somewhere else and doesn't take up the valuable space that you have in a kitchen drawer. Yeah, I'm going to have to evaluate. But I like the idea of the like with like. Mm -hmm. If I could find a common denominator between these things that could divide it 50-50 because they all don't fit in the one drawer. Mm -hmm. And even if they did, I could never find what what I needed. Right. So I think that is still an aha for me. Even if I didn't find the appropriate label. Yet... I will, and I'll keep you posted, listeners, because I know you are just uh, dying to hear how this utensil debacle turns out. So another question for you. We had briefly talked in our last episode, and if you missed it, please go back and check it out. We have lots of amazing tips there. But we talked about people feeling defeated when their systems aren't successful, That a lot of people get it all clean and tidy and then it doesn't last and they feel a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. So how can people be successful with their systems? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is people not being realistic. So again, kind of touching on what we had said in the last episode was uh, thinking that they can achieve and maintain that Pinterest perfect laundry room or that Pinterest perfect entryway and that just isn't realistic because they have two small kids or they have a messy husband etc I think being realistic is one thing and also always having a game plan so if the the idea is that you want to reorganize your front hall closet um, it's just jam-packed the gills but you don't have any type of strategy in how you want to achieve that, whether it's I want to pull everything out first, I want to categorize things, what I want to donate, what I want to keep, or what I want to trash, and then I want to reorganize it this way. Uh, if you don't have that game plan going into it and you just open the closet door and you pull everything out and then you're just sitting there on the floor, most likely distracted by like the random things you just discovered that you forgot you had – you're, gonna, you're not going to finish. You're going to feel defeated. You're going to feel overwhelmed. So I think always having that plan in place will lead you to success because you're going to be able to finish that strategy and game plan. And it sounds like the ideal game plan are three piles. Oh, guys, you remember my, my friendly bird, my cuckoo clock that goes off at random times. Well, she's back. Um... <laughs> As I shared with my listeners a couple weeks ago, Anna, don't buy clocks from West Elm. They excel (laughs) in a lot of different areas, including furniture, and I do like some of their vases and home decor, but their cuckoo clocks are cuckoo, and she just chimes whenever she feels like it. But going back to that, it sounds like the strategy that you want people to employ are three piles. Is that 
Right? Uh, it depends on, on the person. There might be a cell pile. There might be a recycle pile. It depends on the room that they're in. Um, but there should always at least be keep and donate and trash for sure. Um, and then you can kind of add in. I saw uh, someone else uh, talk about how they also use a other room kind of pile. So that can mean if you're currently in the front hall closet and you find things that need to go to the garage or the laundry room that you put it in that pile but that you, it goes in that pile and you deal with delivering those items at once you're done with the project on hand. Because then you might go into the laundry room or you might go into the garage and be like, oh my goodness, it's so disorganized. I don't even know where to put this. And the defeat kind of starts seeping in before you're even done with the project you're working on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's helpful. Right. So it's all about piles and the number of piles and what the piles are is up to you as long as you create that and don't leave your area mm -hmm. until those piles are complete. Right. And I would also suggest always allocate time at the end to donate everything. I see so many people who have their nice little donate pile. They did the work, but then their donate pile sits there for months, even years. So always have the game plan and plan uh, to have that extra 30 minutes or 15 minutes to go and donate the item. That is so smart because I have about five bags of donate, but I find it to be so tricky to find places who will take my stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a bag of pristine stuffed animals and I get why places don't want to take stuffed animals. I just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's another thing of doing your, your, your homework, so to speak, before you start. So if you know you're going to be working on the kids' stuff or you know maybe you're going to have a couch to donate from the garage or the the basement um looking into where you know who is going to take that so maybe it's a a woman's shelter or maybe it's uh, a church that can take the stuffed animals and maybe salvation army will take the couch but knowing that ahead of time will help you on the end so as an organizer, you see a lot of things. And when we come back from our commercial break, I want to hear about your biggest organizing pet peeves. So guys, let's hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Do you love learning about design? Do you wish you could take a deeper dive into the topics we discuss every week on my podcast? You can. I offer online design classes. Just head to the website bigdesignsmallbudget.com and you can check out my online classes there. I offer three different courses, one in feng shui, one in styling, and one that focuses on furniture selection, size, etc. Choose from those classes or take all three and get a copy of my book for free. Each class is $40 or get that combo pack with the book, three classes, and the book mailed to your home for $90. Mention promo code PODCAST to get 15% off your entire order. Check out my classes, learn more, empower yourself so that you can go shopping with confidence and design a space that looks uniquely you while having optimum flow. Check it out at BigDesignSmallBudget.com. All right, we are back. And as promised, it's pet peeve time. Talk to me, Anna. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of things. You see people who have a lot of issues, myself included. Tell us, what is a pet peeve? Oh, I'm trying to, to tread carefully here. 
anyone, it doesn't have to be a client of mine, that wants to get organized but isn't willing to let go of items. So people who are just really emotionally attached to things. Um, you know, it would be like hiring a trainer, showing up for a session, uh, but then being like, well, I don't really feel like doing jumping jacks. Well, you're not paying the person to just like watch you and sit around and like chat and about like last night's episode of The Bachelorette. You're there, you know, to help them and push them. So I think people who are unwilling to, once I'm there or they're working with someone else, um, to not push through or have the, the hard conversation and, and just really kind of get down to only the items they love and need. I would say that would be uh, my biggest pet peeve. And how do you convince someone who's super emotionally attached? One thing I love about my husband is he's very sentimental. He has strong memories and strong emotions tied into everything, uh, things he eats, ways he talks, and objects. So how do you convince someone to get rid of things when they're having a very hard time mm -hmm. separating? I always just kind of ask questions. I never, you know, judge. I never, you know, try to push. Um, so I let them kind of come to the own, their own conclusion. So it'll just be, you know, how long have you had this item? How long have you not used it? When's the last time you wore this? Is this a good representation of who you are at this moment of, you know, at time in your life? Um, and then if they're still not willing to part with it, I suggest that they take a photo. And then, you know, they can have like a memory box, so to speak, on their desktop and have all these memories but not have all the stuff that comes along with it. Are people, are people down with that picture-taking thing? Some. It depends on the item. Um or we, I allow them or will suggest, you know, let's get a box, a container, and you are allowed to put however much will fill the container of memorabilia or things that you don't feel you are ready to get rid of. Uh, and then anything else that doesn't fit, you have to decide, okay, I want to part with this or that so that this can stay, etc. So prioritizing once they've determined that this vessel should be big enough. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, you know, speaking of those photos, do you have a system for online photo organization? Or is there a preferred app or something? I know I'm struggling with that. Um, I, I'm a fan and use Dropbox for everything. So um, what I like about Dropbox is you can have their app on your phone and sync all of your photos there. Or as soon as you plug in your phone to your computer, it automatically syncs. So it's on the desktop bar of any computer if you have, um, you know, a membership to Dropbox. So it's constantly adding stuff in. I'll take screenshots and it'll upload all to Dropbox automatically. So I personally love um, Dropbox for that. Um, there's the obvious Flickr um, and then just creating folders on your desktop as long as you back it up. Right. So Dropbox is just a continual, you have it for years, that kind of thing. Yep. You can pay like 13 or $9 a month and it's like a terabyte of space, which is huge. And you can have everything on there. It's great. Interesting. Okay. Fun fact. So I heard you had a couple questions for me yeah. that we didn't get to answer last week. So tell me. Well, we were just talking about pet peeves and I would love to know if you also have uh, an organizational pet peeve with your clients or it can also be design related but I'd love to know what your pet peeve is. My pet peeve is people who 
well, I call it curse of the medium furniture, actually. So they get a bookcase that holds some of the books, but not all the books. So then they have to get another bookcase, which holds some of the rest of the books, but still not all the books. So then they have to get another tiny bookcase. And that works for a while until they buy more books. And so they just keep getting these little band-aids for these little issues rather than getting what I would call a hallelujah moment, something big that once it's filled, you may not get any more. Or if you're going to get more, you have to remove some of the current ones. So rather than just solving problems by adding more things, you start with something big, something you're like, wow, like an entertainment unit or like one of those extra large bookcases that's actually the size of three, but all together. And you're like, I don't have enough stuff to fill that. I'll have to mix tchotchkes in with my books. Well, as you stay there, you will inevitably accumulate more. And once that unit, be it a TV unit, being one of those larger bookcases is full, you need to reevaluate. Because I find that people start with something that's already not sufficient because they're afraid to buy something large. So going back to that playroom scenario, I got a big Besta, like big over six feet high, over six feet wide with exposed shelving and some doors. And when this bad boy is filled, I don't care how many times Christmas rolls around, we are re-evaluating what's inside. So that way stuff isn't oozing out all over the floor and that's already a good amount of toys. So if they have more toys than that, we don't need them. So that's my biggest pet peeve is people really feel like buying a big piece of furniture, especially in a small apartment, mm -hmm. is a commitment they're not ready to make. But I feel like if you don't, then you wind up with all these little pieces of furniture that aren't fully functional. Yeah. And speaking of furniture, I think because of both you know, our businesses and our line of work can kind of uh, mirror each other, or certainly cross over at various times, um, do you have... You know, in terms of solutions or working with clients, especially when you're having to deal with needing to kind of tidy them up before you can actually, you know, dive in, are there any solutions out there that you currently think work really well when you're dealing with a client who has a lot of, not a lot, but has some clutter? What's the clutter specifically? Um, Maybe it's magazines. Maybe it's books or they have a lot of candles. Uh, maybe that's just one for my book, but, uh, <laughs> well, as a candle lover myself, I have a basket in my closet labeled candles. And then, you know, the problem with candles is that you get them. People give them to me. I buy them, but I don't often burn them. So I make it a real point to burn candles. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm going to burn this candle. I've got one over there in my office. I try and always burn one because I love them so much and I'm getting all these different flavors, mm -hmm. but if I don't actively use them up, they'll just hang around, you know, one third burned and they'll just keep accumulating. So I make sure to burn them out. Mm -hmm. In terms of magazines, I just think it's really important to scan, tiny scan, uh, believe it or not, they do not sponsor this podcast, tiny scan the pages that you like and let the rest go and keep it in a folder. Or just keep 10 magazines that you find are a constant inspiration and cycle them out. Uh, and I do think every desk should have storage. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be looking at a magazine. For me, I look at magazines for work to get inspiration. So I'll keep three magazines in my desk drawer and then I'll get rid of them. The other thing that I stop doing is I stop subscribing. Mm. And it hurts. 
it hurt, but I found that it was a burden. Like I would get the magazine and I would flip through it for three seconds. I could easily go to their website and do the same thing. And then I would just feel bad because I hadn't fully read it. Yeah. So I hear you have another question for me. I sure do. So I think in the last episode we had discussed uh, tidying up and Marie Kondo and how uh, in my line of work with organization, it comes up constantly. Um, But for others who are not familiar, Marie Kondo is the author of um, The The Magic Art of Tidying Up, and her book is everywhere. She is like the Beyonce of organizing. Um, but I'd love to know with with you and your clients, Betsy, if it comes up as well, um, if people use it or people want to kind of continue with that mantra as you're designing. People definitely bring it up. I think that the problem with the Marie Kondo system is she is so extreme about it. You either do it right all at once or you didn't do it correctly at all and you shouldn't even try. So I think people bring it up because they're curious, they're wondering if the time commitment will ultimately be worth it considering it is so all or nothing. Like you're either ready to empty everything in your house and get real, or you're just gonna be a mess forever. So I think people are more curious about it and they also know that I am no organizer. (laughs) So I am the first to reveal to my clients, not only so they won't feel alone, but also because it's true that I'm a little bit messy. So I'm going through the same struggles that they are most likely going through. I had the same challenges and have created things that work or have tried things that don't work in my own life. So I basically commiserate with them more (laughs) than they come to me as an expert because I personally was really excited about the Marie Kondo method because who wouldn't be excited about never having to really clean up again? Mm -hmm. (laughs) To just have to do these little tiny tasks, float around your house and everything will just look nice. And I moved to a new space at the same time I was reading the book. So I was like, this is perfect. I'm unpacking all of my boxes for the first time. And so I can do that fresh start. But even in that state of tabula rasa, I still wasn't able to accomplish her method. And so I ultimately found that I felt defeated by it. So I wish that there was some kind of middle ground. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately with my clients, we just commiserate more than, you know, get pumped up because I know the truth. And the truth is that many of us don't have the time or energy to devote to turning our entire life around. And many of us live with partners who aren't on the same page. So we have lots of rooms in our house and I made each room look really nice and each room has used a label maker uh, except for my husband's movie room which is a disaster and you walk in and things practically fall on you and when I give new guests tours of our home I try and avoid that room or there's a big disclaimer before we walk in so it's just hard when you live with people who aren't on board with this radical movement Mm -hmm. totally yeah I think it's nice though that that you can kind of commiserate, as you said, with clients because I think that that just humanizes the cause even more in terms of the realistic viewpoint of that it's one, it's not for everyone, and, and that two, it's not necessarily realistic to implicate in your life. Well, and if I lived alone, you know, when I was a single gal in the city, I could have really emptied everything and just had come to Jesus moments with every piece of mail and yearbook and whatever. But in my current life, it's just not possible with partners and 
grandparents who love to give special things and want to see those special things when they come visit. So I have to come to terms with that on my own, which probably means finding a cleaning lady sooner rather than later. Mm. But, but Anna, I wanted to thank you so much for coming. One of the big takeaways that I've learned is not only to have a strategy when you go in, but also to not be upset by the shame. We all might feel less than successful, but I love that idea of getting that system in place and then when you have that real strong system, whether that means hiring you or another professional organizer or just being really serious in your space about creating that foundational system, then it's easier to maintain. Mm -hmm. For those of us who have felt less than successful in the past with organizational systems, it is nice to know that that's something that we can overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. You just got to keep pushing forward and and really just be kind to yourself, I think. I love that. And drink wine. Mm -hmm. So when I'm using my label maker, uh, I definitely use it with wine. So there we are, guys. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for joining us. You can find Anna at sortedbyanna.com. And where else can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, the handle is just sortedbyanna. And um, Twitter as well. But yeah, check out my website. Check out Instagram for lots of fun tips and beautiful photos before and after. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, until next week, if you're looking for more exciting design tips, you can check us out on our Thursday 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Facebook Live event. Go to Affordable Interior Designs Facebook page and write in with your questions. If you have organizational questions, I'll send them to Anna and she'll be happy to answer them. So guys, thank you. Thanks to Katherine Heller, our producer, Aton, and the Embassy, our house band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get beautiful design on a budget. Till next week, guys. Bye.
so long Whatever made you think that this is where you belong Walking the streets like a dog it's